Man, we're so grateful you're here again. My name is Pastor Jeremy Long. my wife. She's out serving our Avenue kids this morning. Man, we pastor probably the greatest church in uh, the city of Las Vegas, Nevada. And uh, man, we're so glad you're here. If you are first time, again, can we clap and just welcome you. Thank you for being here today. Man, we're so honored. You're here today. If you are first time with us, why don't you go ahead and text me, 702-727-8280. I won't harass you. I'm just going to be like, yo, what's up? Or make like a praise emoji, whatever. But I just want to connect with you, and I want that to be an open line communication for you to find your next steps. Because God created you on purpose and for purpose, and we want to create a pathway for you. So Rebecca, who's just up here, she's going to be in the lobby as well, and she's going to help you find your next steps through Growth Track, which is totally online. And so I promise you people love it. Also next week, we have Easter Sunday at Avenue Church. Easter Sunday at Avenue Church. And how many know it's going to be better than ever in Jesus' name, man. And so we're excited for Easter Sunday. It's on April 4th. It's on April 4th. And I got a few challenges before I get into my message uh, because I want, man, I believe this is such a crucial day. I want to challenge you. So get your phones out. Take a picture of the TVs right here. But I want you to invite four friends on April 4th. Invite four friends on April 4th. Invite four friends on April 4th. We are streaming online, uh, both services as well, on Easter Sunday. But how many know you look better in person? Come on, somebody, right? You look better in person. So we have four services. Uh, we have, t- did you hear that? Ooh, that was close. I almost said four services. We have two services, 9.30. We could do it, Abby and Daniel, right? We, we, I mean, so we have two services, 9.30, 11. But invite four friends on April 4th. We have Easter egg hunt taking place right after. We have a, f- a family fun photo booth in the lobby. Obviously, social distancing, all those things as well. We want to make sure it's a safe but fun environment. But also, uh, for Easter, we're doing two services, and this is kind of, you know, if you're brand new with us today, uh, this, you, I mean, 100% jump on board, but you can kind of tune me out. Like, you can, like, check Facebook for a second or Instagram for a second, because for Easter Sunday, uh, Matt, we, we need some help on Easter Sunday. So here's our QR code, and this QR code will bring you to an online forum where you can sign up for selected areas that we're in need of. And we hate saying the, the need word here at Avenue Church. So I want to ask you, we don't need your help, but I want you to ask God if you should help. Was that good? Was that good? Was that good? That was good, right? Somebody over there, okay. yeah, kind of, you know. I see you, Pastor. Um, but we are going to do two services for Easter. But also, remember last week's question in stories is that although it's the right thing to do, what's the wise thing to do? And so after Easter, we're going to go back down to 10 a.m. service. We're going to do one service. Obviously, you see here, we're putting as many chairs as we socially can in this room as well. Uh, but, man, we'd love to have two services. But the attendance has been amazing but it's the A-team as well, and we totally understand the circumstances. Hear me out. We know this fall is going to be incredible. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be wonderful. So go ahead if you want to serve just on Easter, all right, just on Easter. I know sometimes when you serve at a church, you're like, I'm stuck here forever. You know, or I'm in this area forever. You mean, like, they're only calling me to see if I confirmed I'm planning center, not to see how I'm doing. Can I get an amen, somebody? Right? I'm not an object. I'm a person. I totally understand that. And we want to not fill positions, but we want to place your gift. So give God a shout today, all right? Help me transition out of that. All right, all right. I'm trying. I'm trying. So today is the finale of stories, of stories. And we've asked a series of questions. The very first week, we asked the integrity question. Am I being honest with myself 
really? Am I really being honest with myself? Because I want you to understand in our stories, every decision writes your story. And so am I being honest with myself really? Then the second week, we had the legacy question, which is what story do I want my life to tell? And man, when you start asking this question, you're leaving a legacy. What story do I want my children's children to tell about me? What story do I want my decisions, which I make now, what story do I want them to tell later? Man, that was a great week as well. Then the conscious question, and this was Lorenzo's week. Man, he tore it up. Come on. He's, and he said, is there a tension that deserves my attention? That there's a Holy Spirit, that he's inside of us. He's our guidance. He's our counselor. And so is there a tension that deserves my attention? Why is this bothering me? Why is this that still small voice goes, ah, don't do it. Don't go there. And then last week we touched on the maturity question, which is what is the wise thing to do? It may be right, right? It may, it may be permissible, but is it wise? Is it wise? So I can challenge you. Check it out on YouTube, on our Facebook page as well. But I want you to know the last question we have for this series, the final question is about making your life better. It's about making someone else's life better. And this is a crucial question because this question, it's, it's, more, it's more relational than personal. All these here have to do with us, with me as a person. These are personal questions that I'm going to ask myself every time I'm going to make a decision. But I want you to know this last question in the, in the, in the final installment of this collection of talks, it's not about making my life better, but it's about making someone else's life better. And how many know in, here at Avenue Church, you always hear that you know, with Jesus, it's never about rules, it's about relationship. It's not about, hey, change your behavior. It's about giving God your heart, and your behavior is going to follow your heart. It's not about behavioral modification, it's about heart transformation. So hear me out. We will never say, welcome, you gave your hand at the end of church, you gave your life to Christ. Here's a checklist. Don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. Because how many know? It's way more than, it's, about, it's more about relationships and rules, but I want you to hear my heart. But in relationships, there are requirements. Boundaries. You know, Pastor Lindsay and I, we've been married 14 years. Come on, somebody, right? 14 years. 14 years. And uh, in those 14 years, I've learned that there are no rules, but there's requirements. One of the requirements with Pastor Lindsay is I've learned this time. I mean, this literally almost took me 14 years to learn. But I've learned with Pastor Lindsay. She is not in this room today, right? And, uh, and I, will, I will always honor my wife. But I've learned, and this is going to actually help her, okay, everyone? But I've learned that uh, I cannot chew my food next to her. <laughs> Anybody else in the room like that? Anyone else like that? Like, like we literally can never have quiet romantic dinners because I have to be like, and like hold my breath and my blood pressure goes up and it, it's rough, you know. I literally have to have music on or something else. That's a requirement. Another requirement is a lot of these requirements, they're not really rules, but they're unspoken requirements as you enter into a relationship. One of the uh, requirements was you take out the trash. I was like, oh, uh, <laughs> like the trash is all full. And I was like, oh, that stinks, you know. And she's like, take out the trash. I'm like, oh, okay, that's a requirement. The only requirement I have, because I'm such a great husband. Wait, it's not supposed to be funny. The only requirement I have for Pastor Lindsay, 
And she has an iPhone. That's it. <laughs> but the last <laughs> I love it. I'm totally outnumbered, too. See, because I want the best for her life, everybody. <laughs> I want her to worry about font choices. So I love this. So Jesus comes onto the scene 2,000 years ago. And when Jesus comes, Jesus is literally saying, guys, it's not about rules. It's not about rules. It's about relationship. And so Jesus gets cornered. I love this. This feels like a lot of our culture today. And so he gets cornered, and they say, uh, uh, they say, where is it at? Am I here? But when the Pharisees heard that he silenced the Sadducees, all right? See, Jesus juked them because that's Jesus, right? He silenced the Sadducees, which is a wise answer. They gathered together. I love this. The haters got together. And one of them, a lawyer, <laughs> that's kind of like, let's get all together, all right, all the spiritual people, you're a lawyer, go talk to him, go get him, right? And so they go, ask him a question to test him. So they're testing Jesus. And I love what they test him in. They said, teacher, what is the greatest commandment of the law? What is the greatest rule? Give us a rule. And the reason why they wanted a rule, because how many know rules are meant to be broken? Can I get an Amen. I called my 88-year-old grandpa, and I was talking to him, and he was like, I'm sneaking out of my room at, <laughs> at the uh, assistant living area. And I'm like, Grandpa, you can't sneak out of your room? And he's 88 years old. He goes, rules are meant to be broken. I was like, all right. <laughs> but the reason why they wanted a rule, because a lot of times we want a rule, tell me my, my, my requirements, right? Give me my rule so I can find a loophole. Give me a rule, right? If I do all these things, I'll get into heaven, but I can still have fun. So give me a rule. Give, what, what is the best rule? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Now this makes him upset because Jesus is now making up rules. He's making up a rule. I want you to love your Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. What's interesting is this right here, what he says, covers five of the Ten Commandments. Because you love Jesus, you're not going to do those five. So then he goes on to say, this is the great and first commandment. And a second! He says, another one. They're like, two? You make it up two? He goes, and the second is you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You should love your neighbor as yourself. Here's what's interesting. During this time, religion's growing. Sadducees and Pharisees were the ones that actually took Jesus to the cross. But at this time, they had over 600 commandments. So it started with 10 with Moses. And then they just kept adding on. It's like parenting, right? I mean, you never thought you would have a rule like don't eat glue. But when it happens, then you got to say don't eat glue. <laughs> Levi's never ate glue, by the way, okay? So instead of 10, they're now adding on. And at the point of Jesus, there's over 600 rules. But Jesus comes on to say, all those 600 you cannot fulfill because you need me. You need Christ. And so this is what's interesting. Instead of 600 plus rules, relationship requires two. And can I say, I'm so grateful for this because the requirement is a boundary for me. It is not, don't do that, Jeremy, because I'm mean. It's, don't do that, Jeremy, because I'm going to protect you. So I'm going to protect you. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, but also love your neighbor as you love yourself. So instead of 600, Christ came and said there's only two. Man, two rules that I believe can really 
Heal our city. Heal our nation. Heal our planet. Heal our world. It's to love God and to love people. To love God and to love people. And this is not in my notes. But many of us, we have church hurt because we think God hurt us, but it's not God who hurts you, it's people who hurt you. Man, God still loves us. He's not mad at you, he's mad about you. Man, he loves you. But also, man, we got to love people. And this is getting harder and harder and harder, but we do it. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Jesus says it again, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. And you're also to love one another. So the fifth question, five weeks of our collection of talks entitled Stories. What's the last question today? Is what does love require of me? What does love require of me? And obviously I want to do a little catchphrase so that we always remember this. But the catchphrase is, when unsure of what to say or do, ask what love requires of you. When unsure of what to say or do, ask what love requires requires from you, Dr. Jeremy Bosma. <laughs> but there's two myths when it comes to this. When I put this on the screen and say, I need you to ask, what does love require of me? When Jesus said, love your Lord God with all your heart, mind, and soul, but also to love your neighbor as yourself, there's two myths that often come to our mind when we think of this. Myth number one is, you know what? I need to love myself before I love others. And hear me out, I'm going to address this in, in a little bit in the message, but there, there, there is truth to this. But what if loving others actually helps you to love yourself? That you can still love people even if you're on a journey of loving yourself. And I want you to know, we care deeply about mental health. We care deeply about self-care and self-love. Those are things that I believe the church has kind of swept under the rug. I believe we need to take it out from the rug. And we say, you know what, we need counseling. We need help. We need small groups. We need community. We need all those different things. Those are wonderful, wonderful things. But here's myth number two. I will only love those that love me. I will only love them if they love me. I will only respect them if they respect me. And this is the myth. This is the myth. We can love others despite if we feel loved or if they've loved us. Here's what's interesting. Anytime I do a wedding, I love weddings. I'm about to do one here, uh, and I believe, in the next couple of weeks, and then uh, all those different things. And, man, we love weddings. I'm a fun wedding guy, too, by the way, you know. Uh, I love weddings. And this is what I read at every single wedding I do. First Corinthians chapter 13, it's the Lita Smiley, right? She's now about to give birth here, you know. And uh, I officiated her wedding, all these things. But First Corinthians chapter 13, this is what? The love scripture, right? Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not boast. You know, it is the love scripture. But this is actually, it's, it's more than holding hands with someone you love and saying this verse. It's more than just a vow between you and someone you're going to spend the rest of your life with. Especially if he asks, is this the wise thing to do? Come on, somebody. <laughs> right? If he's coming out of his mom's basement, probably not the wise thing to do. Okay. I want to challenge you, instead of holding hands with someone you love, like your spouse, you spend the rest of your life together with, children together, grandchildren together. 
Imagine holding hands with your enemy or your neighbor or stranger six feet away, of course. Unspoken. So I'm going to use this scripture verse to preach my message today. Preach my message today. So what does love require of me? If I don't know what to say or do, let's ask, what does love require of me? Number one, love requires patience. Love requires patience. I thought I was patient until I had a child. Can I get an amen, parents? But here's what's happening. I got to go quicker, all right? Love requires patience. And I love this. You know what patience means when you're, when you're choosing to be patient for them? That means that they're at, it's going to be at their pace rather than my pace. I'm going to make you catch up to my expectations. I'm going to be patient. Love is patient. But also love is, requires kindness. Love requires kindness. I love this. Love requires kindness. I believe I got two verbs here. I don't know why. Boom. Ba-bam, ba-bam, ba-bam. Love requires kindness. And I love this. Kindness, kindness is love's response to weakness. You know, even just yesterday, uh, uh, Pastor Lindsay was coming home, and uh, I took Levi to a friend's house. And when I took him to his friend's house, he's from school, and uh, both his parents came out. I'm in the truck like, goodbye, Levi. And I'm like, I'm totally not patient with you today, so get out. And uh, all of a sudden, his, the, the, the husband and wife come on out, some good friends of ours, and they're like, Jeremy. And I'm like, whoa, what's up? And they said, uh, uh, kind of an emergency. Um, we, we, we bought a couch, and uh, because we, we bought the couch, we need a truck. Yeah, I'm the guy with the truck, right? I'm a good friend. Love, what does love require of me at this moment? And so we need a truck. And so I was like, oh, uh, I'll let you borrow my truck. Good answer, right? I'll let you borrow my truck. You can drive it there and all that. But then uh, uh, Martin, he goes, no, 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 no. I need to borrow your strength. And I said, oh, really? Are you serious? You know what I'm talking about? Like, are you... Okay. I mean, that was a great way to ask the question, too, huh? Need to borrow your muscles. What are you talking about? And he said, I need to loan your strength. So we get the RC wheelie. Guess what? It's not just a couch. It's a sleeper sofa. Come on, somebody. But listen to me, Avenue. Love requires kindness. But I want you to think about it's not just I was good to somebody. Or I was kind to them today. They lucky I didn't break out and cuss them out. They're lucky. No, no, no. I want you to take it a step further. Kindness is the choice to loan others our strength rather than reminding them of their weakness. That's powerful. That's powerful because it's easier to do this. Because you, because this, Let's load others our strength. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love has spell check. Love requires us. <laughs> to avoid envy and pride. <laughs> Calm down, cat. Hey, whoever made the slides, will you fire them? Guys, I just quit. Love requires us to avoid envy and pride. 
requires envy and pride. Requires envy and pride. I want to challenge you today. We must keep envy and pride from interfering with our ability to celebrate the success of others. Right? You might ask, I have love. I have plenty of love, Pastor. I want you to think about maybe that coworker that just bothers you. Think about that person. You're like, why? Why? You're praying them out. God, bless them and take them out of here. Probably praying something else. But hey, we're all like David sometimes. I want you to know, can you celebrate the success of your enemy? Can you celebrate the success of someone you're jealous of or compare yourself to? Can you celebrate that success? Because if we can, that tells me that I love God with all my heart, mind, soul. I only want to please him. I love my neighbor because I love myself. You've got to watch out for pride and envy, but also love requires for us to show honor to others. Now, this is a big word in our culture that I feel like we're kind of missing it, right? Sometimes it feels like people overdo it. But may I rather overdo it than dismiss it? But anytime I talk about honor, honor is honoring those that have gone before us. Honor is honoring those that are with us. Honor is just, it's respect, it's humility, it's, that's what honor is. But for some of us, this is difficult because we say, Pastor, they never honored me, I'm not going to honor them. And I want you to know that honor is decided, not deserved. It is decided, not deserved. I want us to be known for what we're about, not for what we're against. But man, what, what, what kind of witness can we be if we decide to honor our enemy? If we decide to honor those who did us wrong? What would that look like? If I don't know what to say or do, I'm going to ask myself, what does love require for me to do? Because honor is not, honor's not deserved, but it's decided. But I want you to know that Love requires us to address our anger, to address our anger. And I want you to know, if we said this over and over again, like decisions are now, but the story's later. But I want you to know, anger is now. Anger is now, but love is later. If you get angry with someone, guess what story they're going to tell? And hear me out. We've got plenty of things to be angry about. We have plenty of reason to be angry but we're going to choose love. We're going to choose love because love is later. But love also requires for us to forgive. And I love this. Love is empowering up, but it's stepping down. Love requires for us to forgive. Now, there's, anytime I talk about forgiveness, there's two things I believe we need to do. We need to forgive others. We also need to forgive ourselves. We forgive ourselves. You know, there's a wrong way to ask for forgiveness. The wrong way to ask for forgiveness is maybe you walk up to somebody and they had no idea what you were feeling and they had no idea what you were thinking. Hear me out. They're not mind readers. They perhaps didn't know that you held a fence against them. And so the wrong way to ask for forgiveness is to walk up to somebody and say, I've hated you for 15 years, but I forgive you. 
And they're all like, what in the world? What you're doing is you're putting a monkey off of your back, the monkey of a fence, and you're throwing it on their back. Sometimes the best way to ask for forgiveness is to say, Jesus, Holy Spirit, help me to forgive. Help me to forgive. Our forgiveness is like drinking poison, expecting another person to die. Our forgiveness is allowing your enemy to live rent-free in your mind when they don't even know it's vacant. Right? Love requires for us forgive. I'm convinced that if we ask this question more and more, we're going to see God do a work inside of us. It's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. But I want you to put this down. What does love require of me? Not them. Not them. Because I promise you there's people in this room, you're sitting there going, yeah, yeah, so-and-so who's not here today needs to hear this message. You know what? They, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share this podcast with them. I got to tell you what, one day my dad will be here this week, and uh, one time I was in seminary, I heard a great message, I bought the DVD, I said, man, my dad needs to hear this message. I gave it to my dad, I said, here's a sermon from a pastor, it is so good, and the title was, in the year that pride died, I saw the Lord. He was like, you think I deal with pride? And it totally backfired on me, I said, what am I doing? Because I was asking, how can God fix them? Instead of fixing me. Now, God really needs to heal them. Maybe God needs to heal us. So what does love require of me, not them? Do you know every relationship will be better if both parties were asking what does love require of me? Right? In marriage, in our relationships, in our friendships. What if you went to work and your boss said what does love require of me? And I asked myself what does love require of me? What if parents came in and every argument, every dispute, and they said, what does love require of me to win this thing or to come to a compromise? What would that look like? But so many times we win the argument, but we lose our children. Sometimes we, we win the argument, but we hurt the relationship. And I want you to know, love doesn't seek to win the argument. Love seeks to protect the relationship. There is a healthy way to argue. If you don't know how, we do that in premarital counseling, postmarital counseling. We do all that. We help you to give you tools and structures how to have a fight. Come on, somebody. But I want you to know, you got to protect the relationship. And there's one more. Love requires for us to say sorry. Love requires for us to say sorry. I want to know, can we apologize? Can we apologize? I'm talking about the things that the Holy Spirit is speaking to us about. But I put this here. Can you say sorry without a but? Right? You know, oh, man, I was, I was a terrible person. I'm so ashamed of what I did. Man, I am so sorry, but you made me. But you're terrible but can we say sorry without a but? Love requires for us to say sorry. You know what's so interesting? As I'm studying this message, and it's Palm Sunday next week's going to be Easter. We're going to invite four people to Easter Sunday. Easter and Christmas, there's high percentages that people will come if we invite them. 
with Matthew 26, verse 39. I love Matthew 26, verse 39, because we have a glimpse, because Jesus was sent to this earth, born of a virgin. He was fully God, but he's also fully human. Fully God, but fully human. And in Matthew chapter 26, we see a glimpse of his humanity. He knows he's about to go to the cross. He knows he's about to get whipped and beaten and bruised, crown of thorns on his head. He knew nails were going to go into his hands and his feet. They knew we got to put a spear in his side. He knew he had to die so he could raise again and three days later. And this is what he says. He's in the garden and he's praying. And Jesus goes a little farther and he fell on his face and he prayed, My Father, if it be possible, let this cup of suffering let the pain and the anguish, let the cross pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Nevertheless, like a little bit, his humanity showing here. Hey, it's not going to be fun. But if there's another way, if there's another way, let this cup pass from me. But nevertheless, as you will. He goes to the disciples, and they're sleeping. He wakes them up, and he's not really mad that they're sleeping. He's mad that they weren't with him. In his toughest moment, uh, uh, sweating uh, drops of blood, he wanted companionship. And he goes back for the second time. He went away, and he prayed, My Father, if this cannot pass, a second time. Thank God about that whole dying on the cross thing. Is there another way? And he said, if this cannot pass, unless I drink of the cup of suffering, this is a, it's symbolic. It is your will be done. I am convinced. When Jesus is praying, you know, I'm about to go to a cross. I'm about to pay the penalty for our sins. I'm about to pay the price. I'm about to do it. I don't want to, but I'm convinced. Jesus says, what does love require of me? What does love require of me? Because the Bible says Jesus is not going to do something. Jesus is not going to ask you to do something he hasn't done. Because John chapter 3, verse 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. What does love require of me? I love Ephesians chapter 2, but God being rich in mercy because of great love in which he loved us, that even when we were dead in our trespasses, you're sitting in this room today, you say, I don't know Jesus, my life is a wreck. He still died for you, and he died for me, and he made us alive together with Christ by grace you have been saved. What does love require of me? I'm going to love my God with all my heart, mind, and soul. And this right here, this gets us out of our church. This brings Jesus into our workplace. To love your neighbor as you love yourself. To love your coworker as you love yourself. To love that joker cut you off in traffic as you love yourself. I love you, so I love myself. To 
love your enemies, to love yourself, to love those that don't think like you as yourself, to love your ex. Ooh, I went there. To love those that don't believe like you as yourself. In the scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, I'm going to read this in, in its entirety. But man, I want you to just for a moment, I don't want to make it weird. We're not a weird church. I'm weird, but we're not a weird church. But I want you to close your eyes. I want to think about that person that hurt you. I want you to think about that person maybe you need to forgive. Maybe that person you haven't shown honor to. Maybe that person you haven't believed the best in them. I want you to think about that person you haven't been kind to. The person you're upset with. And I want to read the scripture verse just like we would do at a wedding. But instead of holding the hands of someone I love, maybe I'm just holding the hands of Jesus. And allow Jesus to speak to me today and to say, love is patient, love is kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not exist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. So now faith, hope, and love abide. These three, but the greatest of these is love. Dear Heavenly Father, we love you. We praise you today. But God, I thank you that not only did you ask, what does love require of me? Because you are love. God is agape, unconditional love. That Holy Spirit, thank you so much for sending your one and only Son to this earth to die on a cross because you loved us, to pay for the penalty of our sin today. Holy Spirit, thank you for healing us. Thank you for giving us vision. Oh, Father, I pray today that the decision we make going to change our story. So Father, I pray, what does love require of me? For me to be a, a sentence, a paragraph, or a chapter in someone else's life. So Father, I pray, maybe you've walked into this room today and you felt no hope, no purpose, no joy. Maybe you woke up this morning and said, is there all there is to life? And I'm here to tell you that God created you on purpose, for a purpose, because he loves you. He's got a plan for your life. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're here today, and you say, Pastor, I want to pray a prayer to help me to open my heart to God, because I know God is love. Help me to love the Lord God with all my heart, my mind, and my soul, so I can love my neighbor, because I love myself. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if that's you today, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out. Just put a hand up and put it right back down. That's all I want you to do. Just put a hand up and say, Pastor, that's me. Will you pray a prayer with me? Yes, over there. Just put a hand up and put it right back down. Yes, yes. Put it right back down. Anyone else? Anyone else? Up and right back down. I haven't seen you yet. And I want us all to pray this prayer together. Say, Dear Jesus. Everyone out loud, as loud as you can. Say, Dear Jesus. Say, Thank you for paying for what I did. Say, Thank you for dying on the cross. Thank you for loving me. 
So I repent of my sins. Say, be Lord of my life. Say, the best way I know how, I'm going to live for you. Say, I'm going to love the Lord God with all my heart. I'm going to love my neighbor as myself because I now know who I am. I'm saved. I'm redeemed. I'm a child of God. Come on, everybody, give a shout out. We give God a standing ovation today. Please stand up in your seats. Come on, give him a clap. Give him a noise today. Man, if you prayed that prayer, man, please text me, 702-727-8280. I want you to invite and pray for four people this week. Four people this week. Before our host comes on up, I want to challenge you today. That as we're praying for four people, maybe God dropped a few names in your heart, a few faces, and you're saying, oh, they'll never come. But what if the Holy Spirit's already positioned them to accept that invitation? But in this context, I want to challenge you. The what if, in the process of loving others, we learn to love ourselves. We learn to love ourselves.